Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. even than the gods. We're going to change the way we run. They rule their universe with absolute power. We're going to change the way we box. That football field out there tonight, that's our universe. We're going to change the way we win. We don't let anything, nothing, come between us. We are changed. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to tonight's guest intro here. He's been clamoring to put the cans on and throw down in podcast studio. An avid fantasy football player and golfing connoisseur by day, now teen podcaster by night, my very own pod father, JD. Yo, baby. Been a long time coming. You've been trying to get on the pod for a long time. I have. And frankly, I think you've been ducking me. But now we found a topic. We found a film. And you can't duck me any longer. <laughs> yeah. So we waited till football season. Now it's football season. So this movie makes all the sense in the world. And I think prior to this one, this will be the first podcast you've ever heard, right? No, I've I've listened to other podcasts. I've listened to a couple of yours, not not totally to completion, but I've listened to a couple of yours, and I've listened to some murder podcasts. That's about it. What are your key takeaways for the VL Pod? Just any feedback that you have as we move forward? No, I think the language is pretty salty. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, typically found and. Um, uh, at times a little silly, but there's a disconnect. You know, I'm at a different generation on things, but you know, that's that's why you know, you have great sponsors. Your sponsors, <laughs> yeah, your sponsor lineup is uh, solid. Kids, if you want to get, by the way, we just call our listeners kids. Okay, we call all of our listeners kids. So, kids, if you want to get some of our swag and get with our sponsors, you go to wickloware.com. They have all of the gear. They have all of our VL swag. Real quick housekeeping. Also, contact information, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com and vicariouslivingpodcast on the Instagram. Slide into our DMs for all of our swag. Okay, what's the movie that we're doing on tonight's podcast? You're asking me? This Announce is, it. This is probably one of the best movies of all time. Came out in the year 2000. Remember the Titans. <laughs> And why did you want to do this movie so bad? I love this movie. I'm a big sports fan. 
This movie is one of the best ever created. It came out in a good year. A lot going on in year 2000. Y2K. Y2K. A lot of great movies came out that year. What? Perfect Storm? Was that that year? Perfect Storm. Castaway. Yeah, what other movies came out that year? Meet you have a list? the Parents, <laughs> one of your favorites. Meet the Parents, The Patriot, another one oh, that yeah. I love, U571. Matt McConaughey. Yep, and then lastly, how about this one? A fan favorite of everyone's, Gone in 60 Seconds. Which is also a Jerry Brockheimer yeah. movie. That's right. Yeah, I actually think the composer of this movie, because as you heard in your intro music, it was the composer of this movie, Trevor Rubin. He was also the composer for Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, nice, nice. Good tunes in this movie. The movie, This movie had some of the best tunes of any movie. Yeah, it, the soundtrack in this movie is unreal. Um, but you mentioned 2000, directed by Boaz Yakin. Yep. No idea how to pronounce that. Um, I didn't notice anything else that he's directed that's worth noting. But it's produced by Jerry Brockheimer, and I think that's the main key. No, he's a star. This yeah. guy, uh, Boaz, he had he knew nothing about football. So that that's pretty interesting about him. They had to teach him a few things about football. Fun fact about this director. Um, the only thing I wrote down about him was he was actually set to direct the Batman Begins movie, and originally it was just titled Batman Beyond. He lost out that opportunity. Then it went to Darren Aronofsky, who did like Black Swan and stuff. He lost it, and then it went eventually to Christopher Nolan, who made it like the most unreal Batman movies of all time with Dark Knight. Okay, that's that's, that's, a fun fact. that's real interesting. Yeah. Do you have anyone next to you? By the way, for the kids, this is the most prepared podcast guest we've ever had in podcast studio. Well, there's no question. You have at least 75 pages of notes typed out. It looks like you got some Excel spreadsheets, some PowerPoint slides, and printed out the old program from 1971 from Marshall University, who they played that no, season Marshall, Marshall High School Marshall yeah, yeah sorry Marshall Ed Henry was the coach yeah <laughs> yeah so very prepared anything on the writer director or filmmakers of this movie before we get in any further no okay okay quick plot suburban Virginia schools have been segregated for generations one black and one white high school are closed and the students sent to T.C. Williams High School under federal mandate this year, the year is seen through the eyes of the football team where the man hired to coach the black school is made head coach over the highly successful white coach. Based on the actual true story events of 1971, the team becomes the unifying symbol for the community as the boys and the adults learn to depend on and trust each other. Remember the Titans. Fun fact that you had, one was about uh, it actually integrated a lot earlier than 71, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, this might be the case when you find when you really delve into these movies that are based on true stories. I've never gone to this level of uh, depth on it before, but <laughs> you know, I, I found that there's a lot of what I would consider significant differences from, you know, the facts to the to you know, the storyline. You know, of course, they're going to, 
you know, mess with the storyline to, to always uh, juice it up for the audience. But, you know, it was set in Alexandria in 1971. But in fact, these schools were uh, integrated in 1965. The three schools that came together were Hammond High School, George Washington, and uh, T.C. Williams. And the surviving schools... Uh, Hammond and George Washington, they housed the ninth and 10th graders, and T.C. Williams just um, had the 11th and 12th graders. And uh, they had over 4,000 students. So Herman Boone was uh, the assistant at T.C. Williams for two years prior to getting the job. Oh. Bill Yost was the, uh, he was the head coach at Hammond. And, uh, uh, you know, Herman Boone got the job over Yost, and probably because it was a tip of the hat to the. Uh, but he was, and he was already there. He, he was yeah. already there. He's already familiar with the program. So that's that's way different than the movie where we all thought that Coach Boone, Denzel Washington, was coming in and like taking over from the guy who already knew the players. He already knew the system. He was already there. Yeah, and the pressure, the the pressure on the teams. You know, by all accounts, and I've looked into a lot of accounts from the players and so forth, the pressure was not so much the racial tension. You know, that that was always there, but the pressure was for the uh, for the positions. This is a 4,000-person school, and there was a lot of competition for the jobs. And then the pressure was on Boone to perform because they were such a prohibitive favorite because of the number of, of yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, any other differences from the story versus what they actually showed in the movie? Yeah. Well, okay. Let's okay, start with a big one. <laughs> Gary Bertier. Gary Bertier in the movie is you know, paralyzed after the uh, one of the playoffs games before the big championship game. Yeah. Right. And then you know they chronicle his his history after that, which was all true. But in reality, Gary Bertier wasn't uh, injured and paralyzed until after the completion of the season and yeah. the final game. Um, he wrecked his mother's Camaro, not his Camaro, 1971 Camaro. Went, uh, he flipped it, and it was uh, snowy. It was after the football banquet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was real unfortunate. And but. it wasn't, I did see that one. It wasn't um, another car that hit him. He, like, uh, there was a mechanical error in the car. It flipped, and then he, like, ran into a telephone pole or something. Like, yeah. it wasn't another car. Right. Injured. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a few more things that you're giving me a little leeway here. What's uh, incredible about this team is that, they hit. They played thirteen games. Nine of the thirteen games were shutouts. Yeah, their their record, their points scored differential three hundred and fifty seven to forty five. That's absolutely Jesus. incredible. God. And and the one close game was Marshall. It you know coached by Ed Henry, but um, that was the only close game twenty one to sixteen. That was midway through the season, and that was. Uh, the final score was a 75-yard run by uh, uh, Frankie Glasgow, and this guy, this guy, which which is amazing to me about these movies that when they get off the the fact uh, the facts of the movie, because this guy was uh, he was a star of the team. He was a co-captain of the team with Bertier. 
He was a stud running back. He wasn't even mentioned. 75-yard run. He won that uh, Marshall game with five minutes left to go. It wasn't the last play of yeah, the game. Yeah, exactly, because we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to our picking nits section at the end. But the way that they make it seem of, like, you're going to run a 75-yard reverse when there's two seconds left, no chance. Like yeah, That's a pass 100% of the time. So it makes a lot more sense that it's five minutes to go, and it was in the middle of the season that they did that. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you a couple other things here since you asked. Things that were, uh, let me give you some yes on the facts and no on the facts. Okay. How about that? Yes yeah. on the facts. There was something th- thrown through the window of Coach Boone. Uh, it wasn't while the two daughters were together. Those two daughters never saw each other. Yeah. Coach Boone had three kids, not two kids. Coach Jost had four daughters. None of them lived with him. The one was Cheryl. She was... You know, more interested in football, but she wasn't the fanatic like portrayed in the movie. But there was something thrown through his window, and it wasn't a brick. It was a toilet. An entire toilet got thrown through his window. Yes, the buzzes were Hold on real quick on that. That's right. The the filmmaker said that the reason they chose to do a brick instead of a toilet was because they thought it was going to make the movie too, like, light of it. Like it was going to make yeah. it too much of a joke if it was a toilet. So they're like, oh, do a brick. That'll be more like dramatic. Well, maybe so. And it was Disney. Yeah. It was a Disney production. So, you know, Disney maybe wanted to clean it up a little bit. Yes, the buses were integrated from the beginning. Uh, all teams were integrated. They played, every team that they played had already been integrated. But when you look at the movie, it looked like they yeah. were playing against all white teams. That's not true. Uh, Ronnie Bass, you know, the favorite Ronnie Bass is a yeah. quarterback, but he didn't get his spot in the last game over Rev Jerry Harris because Jerry Harris got hit and broke his, his arm. Ronnie Bass won the spot over, yeah. over Rev Harris. I told you about Yo's daughter, you know, Cheryl, she was there. Um, she died too. Yeah, she died in 1996 in her early 30s after yeah. having a kid getting married. Okay, no, here are things that are not factual. Alan Bosley, who who gets a lot of fame because that was Ryan Gosling's character, uh, fictional. He and and there was no Alan Bosley, and he didn't give up his spot to to Petey. Petey played the you know he was a fullback, played the whole time. Ray Buds, fictional character. The <laughs> Ray guy is such a dick. Fictional. He he was a dick, <laughs> he and he uh, uh, he did not get kicked off the team. They said nobody got kicked off the team because if if someone was acting like him, they got kicked off the team at the beginning of the season, not during the not during the season. There was no Emma Hoyt. Gary Bertier was not in a committed relationship. Emma Hoyt and Ray Buds. And Alan Bosley were all fictional characters created to, you know, really set the the theme that that Disney was trying to communicate through the movie. There was uh, no run at 3 a.m. through the Gettysburg Cemetery. Oh, damn! They did go to um, Gettysburg for their. Uh, summer training and conditioning and so forth. They did do a guide uh, through the uh, battlefields, but there was no 3 a.m. run. There was no uh, Ronnie Bass kiss on the lips. 
Uh, and there was no toss to a banana to a coach that had baited Herman Boone. Yeah, that was super um, racist. And lastly, there was no warm-up dance. Uh, that oh. they, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, nice for the movie, but there was no organized warm-up like that. So... I think a lot of that makes sense. I don't blame the movie for um I don't blame the movie for making some creative decisions like giving him a girlfriend who's tr- and Ray who are like trying to tie him to like the his old ways and all this. I don't mind that they did that. But overall, those are some explosive fun facts. Uh no guest in podcast history, VL podcast history has come in here and delivered that amount of fun facts. So appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Time to guess some Rotten Tomatoes. Do you want to guess what you think it is? Yeah, I don't. I don't even really understand Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, <laughs> so sure, rot- I'll guess anything. Rotten Tomatoes is essentially just guess what you think the percent score is from zero to a hundred in your own head. But hundreds it, the highest. Hundreds the highest. Zero is the lowest. To get technical, they have all these critics review it with just a thumbs up or a thumbs down. They aggregate it. They aggregate the scores, and then if you have 100 people do it, 61% gave thumbs up, the movie gets a 61. Mm. So we just – it usually lines up, though, to like just a good percentage of where you think it got out of 100. You want me to guess? Yeah, go ahead. ahead I'm going to say 95%. No, I don't think it's nearly that high. I would guess 84%. Okay. Little lower. Well, those people would be just total idiots. That you know, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. Ninety-one, isn't it? Seventy-three. Okay, they're a bunch of idiots. Audience score ninety-three. Audience, yeah, rates it there at you go. ninety-three. Right there. You are a man of the people, mm-hmm. not a man of the critics. Indeed, <laughs> I am. Still not as good as Paddington. What's Paddington? Paddington, <laughs> I think is, yeah, uh, Paddington, I believe, is ninety nine percent. Jeez, that's ridiculous. Okay, um, player breakdown. We already covered some of these characters, but we're gonna go a little more extensively into them. Denzel Washington. First and foremost, I thought he was perfect in this role. I thought he was perfect. What are your thoughts? I agree. Um, Yeah, this Herman Boone was a pretty salty character. You know, he he got released 1979 from the school for physical and mental abuse of students. That was in 1979. You know, the standards for that in yeah. 1979 were a hell of a lot less than they are now. So that guy was, he was pretty tough on people. So yeah, I think Denzel, especially for a Disney movie, as I understand it, they first started, they had some, a lot more salty language in, but it got cleaned up for the, yeah know, for Disney's likes. Yeah, if you're getting fired for that in the 70s, you wouldn't have made it like an hour in 2020. That's right. <laughs> There's no chance. Yeah. But Denzel specifically, the actor, he's obviously been in a million movies. We don't have to list them all. 
top three Denzel movies. I have my top three. Do you have your top three Denzel flicks? Of course I do. I'm prepared. So mine go one training day. He won an Oscar for that. He was amazing in that with Ethan Hawke. Two, remember the Titans. Love him in this. Three, he got game. Spike Lee with Ray Allen. He got game. Love that movie. Those are my top three. Probably going to be different than yours. Well, yeah. Remember the Titans got to be at the top. And I I get the training day and stuff. That was such a dark show. I mean, that was just really dark. That's why it's not in my top three. I would probably put American Gangster um, up there. Yeah. And um, Fences. Yeah. I like Fences. I Actually, with Fences, I wish I would have seen it as the play version, to be honest, because I heard the play was actually like a lot better than the actual movie. Mm. And they did it as a play with all the same uh, cast members, I believe. Yeah. And then I think he got nominated for an Oscar for that. I don't think he won, but he got nominated. Yeah. I want to say that was like the year after he did Flight. Oh, Flight was... Which was good, too. God, it was incredible. I want to honorable mention John Q. I actually yeah, like John, John Q a lot. a good movie. And then there's... Yeah, all yeah the- we had Louis Lastic was in that movie with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Ethan Supley. Will Patton, a.k.a. Coach Yost. I don't... Here's my only notes I wrote on him in watching this movie back. One, great voice. Like, in some of his, like, inspirational coach speeches, which we'll play as we get into the movie breakdown, are just, like, they still get me jacked up when I hear him to this day. Uh, Two, fun fact about him. Do you know that because his voice is so unreal, he narrates audiobooks, and I think he's narrated like 40 to 50 audiobooks for like other big name authors. They just use his voice. For me on uh, Coach Yost, it's this and Gone in 60 Seconds. I don't really know him from anything else. No, uh, yeah, there's there's some other movies, but I think that's that's a big one. And I think that what lent itself to this movie is he's, I believe he's native South Carolinian. So he kind of, brought a bit of the southern twang to the whole to the whole equation that kind of came naturally to him in this movie i could see that yeah he had a pretty good accent only a couple of my friends will register this but apparently he is like the big nemesis in the movie the postman with kevin costner which i do believe is one of the worst movies ever made again only like three or four people will get that reference next guy gary bertier ryan hurst this guy, he's been in other massive shows with a huge beard where you can't, he looks like a Duck Dynasty bearded guy. Uh, the Walking Dead, he plays Beta, which you probably don't watch The Walking Dead, but he plays like a, a very big character, Beta, in that. And then the other one, which you do believe you have seen, is Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Opie. Opie, yeah, yeah. He was a big character. So. Any other thoughts you have on Gary Bertier? Oh, yeah. He was also in We Were Soldiers. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Uh, that was I think a I have. Vietnam era uh, Mel Gibson movie. But he, he did a great job in that. And he, he also had a pretty good role in Bosch, which is on the uh, 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 prime shows. That's yeah. A poop. That's a poop show. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, I would say that Gary Bertier, for some unknown reason, only personal connection I have to it in high school, 
Uh, we just said the name Gary Bertier a lot, completely out of context, like all the time. I don't know why we did it, but remember that one growing up and we would always say like Gary, 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 yes, Gary. Yes, I remember that vividly. I could tell stories about <laughs> you as a kid saying that all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we always said that, but it was just hilarious to us. I even remember in uh, high school in Father McInniff's class, like people would be reading and like in the middle of reading like paragraphs, I would just yell Gary really, really loud in class. Douche move. I don't know why I did it, but yeah. apparently it was funny to some people. We're on the Howard Stern <laughs> show. There's Gary Delabonte. Gary, Gary, Gary. I don't understand that yep. reference. Well, yeah, maybe you have some <laughs> Howard Stern fans in this uh, podcast universe. Of the kids. Kids, get at us if you uh, listen to Howard Stern ever. Last guy I want to talk about, because the rest are just smaller tertiary characters. Last guy, though. Big guy. Julius, a.k.a. Wood Harris. Oh, I am. Fun fact about this guy. Birthday, 1017. Only one day off my birthday. No big deal. Small roles in Creed, Ant-Man, Blade Runner with the Ryan Gosling one. Um, and apparently, and I, I have not seen The Wire have you seen The Wire? No, not not to any extent. I need to see it. It's one of the shows that like I've tried to watch. I haven't gotten into it, but I know that it's like up there with Breaking Bad as like one of the most critically acclaimed shows ever. Apparently, he plays Avon Barksdale in The Wire, which is even though I've never seen that show, I've heard of that character, hmm. so I know it's it's big. Julius thoughts. Oh, yeah, Julius, uh, he was a great character. He's a good actor. You know, his brother is, uh, I think it's Steve Harris. He's uh, he's had movie roles in uh, Mission Impossible and The Practice as a lawyer. Who is he? What? He, yeah, yeah. He That's was, his brother? Uh, right. Wood Harris, his brother. I think his name is Steve Harris. The dad in Friday Night Lights? The dad I don't of know the, Friday Night Lights. the girl... Shit, I need to look this up. Because I just thought of this when you said the practice. What's his name? His brother's name? Steve Harris. Oh, my God. That is... Are we sure it's his brother? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that guy is totally in... Friday Night Lights. Yeah, he's, he's Virgil Merriweather. So it's the, the the daughter. His daughter is the girl who is dating Vince in Friday Night Lights, aka Michael B. Jordan. The guy who owns like the fried chicken place. Her dad is apparently Julius's brother in real life. Mm-hmm. Shit, teen yeah. drama connections. Amazing. Good fun fact. You're full of them. Also, he is in the. He's the cop in the movie The Skulls, which me and AJB did on this podcast. He's the cop. Crazy. Okay, smaller characters, real quick. Just big names. Donald Faison, Petey. He's Petey in this movie. Kate Bosworth is the yeah, fictional Scrubs. girlfriend. From Scrubs, that was big. Yeah, from Scrubs. Kate Bosworth is the fictional girlfriend that you're talking about. Hayden, Hot. Hayden Penetier is the younger daughter, the precocious kid. and Whoa, whoa, on her. Yeah. Hey, how about I rode on a plane, a plane flight with her from New York to Nashville. I spent an hour and a half with her, sitting next to her, chatting it up. How did I not? 
Have you said that and I just didn't listen before? Yeah, that's entirely possible. But sure, she is. What did she so... say? Anything cool? Well, uh, at the time, honestly, I didn't know that she was Cheryl in uh, in this movie. That's probably good because you would have. I just, just been... knew she was in that Nashville show, which wasn't big with me. But if I had known that she was in Remember the Titans, I would have talked her up the whole time. Oh yeah, she is like incredibly short. She's I don't very even tiny. think she's five foot tall, and she has had a very complicated personal life. She is. Yeah, she's very short, and she always looks very tiny because I think she dates like, or she might be married now, but she's d- exclusively dated like huge hockey players who yeah. are like six five. So it makes yeah, her look some like Russian even dude, like six five weightlifting guy. Wait, and... was she with with a Klitschko boxer? I think that's right. Yeah, I think she's with one of the Klitschkos, which is again insane. This is a heavyweight boxer. Is probably like six five, six seven, mm-hmm. and uh. For her to be, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. But talk about Teen Connections, the show Nashville with Hayden Panettiere, also the mom from Friday Night Lights, Tammy Taylor. No, there you go. We're just connecting teen drama plots all over. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling is the other super small one. This is before he was famous. And even though his character is fictional in real life, I think his role in this movie is hilarious. He's just like such a little bitch in this movie. It's interesting you say that. That he's a little bitch? Yeah, that you thought his his role was hilarious. But I'm sure we'll get to that later. Okay, okay. in our awards. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. All the fun facts Whoa, or character. I, I got, yeah, I got one more. Okay. What about Coach Boone's wife? What about Carol it? Boone? Nicole Airy Parker. I don't know. She's hot. Okay. First off, and... <laughs> She had a starring role. She was the uh, the hot chick in Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Your favorite movie, the worst movie ever made. You know, I, I do like that movie. And she yeah. is starring right now as the new deputy superintendent in uh, Chicago PD. She's Hank Voigt's boss. I think you may be the only white person who is a fan of Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Well, with Martin Lawrence. Yeah, Martin Lawrence. She was in several of Martin Lawrence's movies, and uh, that was a great movie. It's so great. Yeah, let's guess some Rotten Tomatoes on Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins with Martin Lawrence. I have a I, I only up. go with the audience uh, number. Okay. I don't give a shit about the critics. What? <laughs> we could just guess. What, what I'm going to say 62%. <laughs> it's funny that you said you're in line with the audience because the audience was 63. Okay. All right. <laughs> but the real score, the real score from the critics, the ones that matter. shit about the critics. 23%. Yeah, okay. And they th- they said shit. Paddington was 98. I'm sure that's <laughs> high on the, with the kids list here on your Vicarious Living podcast. No, we actually did a movie on the VL pod Summer Catch with Freddie Prince Jr. It's this teen drama baseball movie, and it was eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It That's was low. pretty bad. single single ditch. I mean, fifteen percent lower than Roscoe Jenkins. That's how bad Summer Catch was in hey, a good way. Hey, if this goes well, I'd love to come back and do a Roscoe Jenkins podcast. That'll probably never happen. Just between okay. you and I sitting here, that'll All probably right. never happen. I hear you. <laughs> All right, movie breakdown. Are we ready? Yeah. You don't have to worry. Cause baby, that ain't no mountain high. 
know, they did that throughout the movie. It was kind of their, uh, you know, their shtick through the movie is that they would have this upbeat rock music. Yeah. Every time there was a big play or something happening, they really nailed it along those lines. I, yeah, the, the music in this movie is completely, un, like, perfect. I did recognize every tune in this movie. Yeah. The, the, it, and it's not just the, as we heard on your intro music, it's not just the actual songs, but the, the, mm-hmm, score, the score that, that's just like underneath all these big moments in the movie is like perfect too. It's like up there with like Titanic score and Avatar score. I'm only going to name James Cameron movies because he always works with James Horner. But yeah, the score is just perfect in this movie. Um, I did, I did have a question. I don't know why they they bookended this movie with a super somber note of Gary Bertier's death. Because that's the first scene. So when this movie kicks off, it's everyone at a funeral, and they're all older. And you're like, what's this? What's this all about? I don't understand Like, why are we at a funeral in this football movie. And then they go back in time and tell the whole Titan story, and then they end it with a funeral. And I didn't know why that was like what the significance of of doing it like that. Well, you know, he's a sympathetic char- character, and they they were that was yeah some of the the core conflict in the in the movie was dealing with his his issue as infactually as they dealt with it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, it, and I actually wonder at the funeral if Cheryl would have been there. Yes, because he died in 1981, 10 years after uh, he's killed by a drunk driver, 10 years after 71 when he... And then uh, when did Cheryl die? Early 90s? 1996. 96? Yeah, so she would have been there. Okay. Um, Coach Boone named head coach. Now, Mm. it's facts, as you said, Mm -hmm. a little off on that. But he is named the head coach. They bring him in. And his whole policy is is like meritocracy. It's meritocracy policy. He doesn't care if you're black, if you're white, if you're orange. He says that in the movie. He's like, I don't care if you're the best player, you're going to play. So I'm going to play a quick clip just to get like the tone set on how, how uh, Coach Boone operates. This is the scene in the gym where up to this point, all we've seen from Coach Boone is like he's playing by the rules. He's cool. He's like trying to like be amicable across the board. And then like the first scene where he's actually like coaching the players is in the gym. And Petey like comes up to him all joking around thinking like he's going to have his back and stuff. And then he says this. Put your hand down. You smiling. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football. Ball's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. Yes. You sure? I think so. Now you're thinking. First you smile, then you think. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is uh, it? No, not by now. No, no, it's not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. No. Make up your mind. No, no. Think, since you're thinking. Now go on, think. No, is no. it fun? No, sir. No. No, sir. Absolutely not? Zero fun, sir. All right, listen up. I'm Coach Boone. I'm going to tell you all about how much fun you're going to have this season. I think this is where we get Coach Boone like early on where it's like, oh, this guy is a hard ass. Mm-hmm. Like he he's going to come in and just set the world on fire. And 
I do want to talk about the differences in their coaching style in terms of like motivation. Like, what do you think would be more motivational? Coach Boone's tactics, which are like, it's like fear-based motivation or Coach Yost, which is more like, hey, I'm your friend. Positive reinforcement. Like, I, I, I give you a treat every time you do something well. Yeah. Well, I think it just, uh, you know, that, that ebbs and flows with the times. I think that Boone's style was the right style for the right time. But as I you know mentioned earlier, he got cut uh, from the school in 1979 for being too heavy-handed. I think that you know they came together in the right way because they had they had the tough butt that that whole tough love routine works on certain people, and then the the person that's more of uh, positive reinforcement that works with others. I think that's why they uh, yinged and yang pretty well. Yeah, they were a good partnership. It does remind me, though, like if we were comparing them to coaches today, it's almost like Coach Boone would be like a Tom Thibodeau or a um, Doug Collins where they come in and they have, they're crazy disciplinarians and they get these teams to like buy in like Coach Boone did because they're so hardcore. But then like after a while, that messaging really starts to fall on deaf ears because it's like, I think people can only take so much of that sort of tough love. Well, I'll give you a great example of that's definitely in play has been the guy by the name of Tom Coughlin. He's been yeah. around the NFL for a long time and he had the Jacksonville team. Then he went to um, New York Giants. He, I think he took them to a Super Bowl. I think he might have won a Super Bowl with the Giants. In that year that uh, Eli threw the pass and the uh, Tyrell, David Tyrell. He won both. He was a coach both teams, both Super Bowl winning teams. Yeah. And uh, then he went back to Jacksonville. But that guy burns himself out every time because it's just too much. Well, that's why I do like that they have a yin and a yang thing here where they can kind of play off each other. Like when they need to have like a kick in the, like kick their ass, that's when Coach Boone comes in. But when it needs to be like, all right, like maybe let's take our foot off the gas slightly. That's when Coach Yost comes in. And it it is it is different, like different tactics. Like Petey needed like a loving, caring Coach Yost. Mm-hmm. He did not respond well to Coach Boone at all. Mm-hmm. So it is we'll get into that because that in the championship mm-hmm. game that comes into play. Uh, I love big. Boone's line. This is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship, and I am the law. I kind of like that. Actually, I don't remember if if you remember which um, AAU team this was, but it was uh, I had a basketball coach, that one guy who, if you remember, it was like probably seventh or eighth grade. And remember the coach in one game got kicked out and he like just walked up in the stands and sat in the stands. Told You don't remember this? Well, either way, he was my coach in um, – <laughs> I remember the first day of tryouts, he came in and he said that exact same line. He said, this is not a democracy. Too much of seventh graders. This is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship. And I am the law. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> but no, we we're talking about PD and Coach Boone. Um, I want to play a couple dueling clips of to get a taste of Coach Boone style versus Coach Yo. So this first one is PD clashing with with coach Boone. Hey, 
you. Why are you fumbling my football? My blockers were bad. Your blockers? Your blockers ain't got nothing to do with you holding the ball. Did your blockers fumble the football or did you fumble the football? I did, sir. All right. How many feet are in a mile? How many feet are in a mile? 5,280 feet. You pick this ball up, you run every one of them. You're killing me, Petey. You're killing me. He doesn't respond well to that. Uh, but then he fumbled in practice. He doesn't respond well and to it. he dropped his head and he didn't say, you know, I'm sorry, I'll get at it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Then you have Coach Yost. So to get a taste of how he operates, there's this clip. Some of the boys just don't respond well to public criticism. I tell them what they need to know, but I don't humiliate them in front of the team. He ain't doing these kids a favor by patronizing them. You're crippling them. You're crippling them for life. But, you know, that's really kind of the role of the assistants uh, as well. You know, they oftentimes the assistant, that's how coaching works. You know, some coach takes the lead of being the tough guy and then the other guy kind of cleans it up at, at some point in time. That's how he used his... Uh, the assistants a lot, and uh, both those guys did. Doc Harris and uh, yeah. Herb Tyrell. <laughs> I got <laughs> some thoughts on Herb Tyrell mm-hmm. when we get to the yeah, awards at the end. Yeah, I going with that one. That, that guy, <laughs> that, that, talk about a guy who just got no layers like as a character. It's just like, <laughs> hey, you're evil as shit, guy. Um, Okay, let's just go to the, the Gettysburg scene. Because... I, this is what what they do is they take the the world's gone to shit. Racial tension is crazy. Not unlike 2020, actually. Yeah, <laughs> Not much right. has changed. <laughs> takes the team. They go and they're like, we're going to get out of all this shit. We're going to not let all these distractions from the outside world like mess up our team camaraderie. First off, it did happen. And by the movie, it was a great bonding situation for the players to come together and uh, very vigorous in their uh, conditioning their three a day practices yeah that's insane. it was very very difficult um, but but they did get mission accomplished to get get their offenses the offense installed get the conditioning down to get the players to bond with one another yeah there was one um, scene where it all really came together and I'm probably going to put this scene on our Instagram as like a preview of this podcast, but it's that left side, strong side clip. Left side, strong side. This is left side. Strong side. Left side. Strong side. Left side. That scene is amazing. That it's, I love how Gary Bertier, like Julius, was still a little unsure of like yeah, what he was doing. What is this going on here? <laughs> and Gary, Gary come on, hits he's him. giving him his head. Come on, come on. Yeah, he, he's giving him his. He, he so Gary like rips on his own guy Ray, and Ray's like the biggest dick in the world, and he rips on his own guy Ray. But the, the again the background music, it's like. And it just gets you so jacked up. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Ronnie Bass. Ronnie Bass. 
Ronnie Bass comes in, QB from SoCal, long hair. He's clearly like got a cannon, mm-hmm. unreal arm. I don't really know why he wasn't just starting in the first place because he's way better than Red Rev. But the thing you mentioned about the kiss never happened. No, the kiss never happened. He's not gay. What was the point? I okay. What was the point of having Sunshine come in and kiss Gary Bertier in the locker room? I have no idea. I thought that was a that was a stupid part of the movie. They never even brought it back. Like the, I was, I'm like, okay, if he's gay. Totally cool. Totally fine. They never brought that storyline back, though. So it was like, it was unclear. If he's not, and it was just some weird thing he did in the locker room to, like, get under Gary's skin, again, I'm confused why it was in the movie. I know. It is a crazy part. So that that's why I was confused. I didn't know if they were editing it to make Sunshine, like, he's just this free bird. He's from California. Yeah. It's different than Virginia. I didn't know if it was that or if it was like, hey, this guy is just actually into dudes. No. They no, did not no. make it clear. <laughs> no, he's just, uh, I, just, I think it's just the uh, free spirit kind of thing. But you know, remember when they, they pulled up in that hot Corvette, that was a seriously hot Corvette that is, uh, came up with his dad. Anyway, remember when he had the, the ball and he threw the pass? Mm-hmm. If yeah. you get it's a it's a big blooper in the show actually they they throw the pass and it's way off of Bertier but when they flip the picture to Bertier it hits him square in the back yeah and, I mean it's like what the heck is this yeah the um, Ronnie Bass he did go on to uh, play in college I think yeah he played for South Carolina. Yeah, so he he and the actor that played him actually had like a really nice throwing form too. Yeah, he kind of had like a nice nice form. He kind of looked like Matt Leinart out there a little bit. Yeah. So I think there were two football changes that really put this team over the top in the movie. It seemed like it seemed like on the on the defensive side, the big move was getting Allen the fuck out of there. Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. at DB. Which he he just looks so slow. He's I have linebacker. no. Are you sure? Yeah, linebacker. I thought he was DB. Mm. Either that's even weirder that he was linebacker. Get him out of the lineup. Get Petey in, who was kind of ostracized from the offense. Get him in, and then on offense, Rev getting hurt, and then Sunshine coming in totally transformed that entire offense. Mm-hmm. So those were the those were the moves that in the movie really put them over the edge. The the scene though with Sunshine while we're still on him that was amazing was when he went into the game. <laughs> Little motivation from Coach Boone. When I was 15 years old, I lost my mother and my father in the same month, Ronnie. Same month. Twelve brothers and sisters. I was the youngest one, but they were all looking up to me. Now I wasn't ready yet either, but they needed me. Your team needs you tonight. You're the colonel. You're gonna command your troops tonight. You understand? Yes, Twins right. 48-0 read. Let's go. What's the matter? Haven't you ever seen a football injury before, you wimps? Let's go. Show some life in those legs. I got it. It's going to be all right. But you released this time. Louis, let him through, all right? What? Just let him through. Trust me. You had 12 brothers and sisters? Eight. Yeah, 12 sounds better. 
And then Ronnie Bass, the the defensive end, that he he tells the offensive lineman, "Hey, let him through." Mm-hmm. Comes through, and then he just like lets him throws him over his shoulders. It's like the one of the most badass moments of the whole movie. Ronnie Bass is in this movie is like the LeBron James of fo- of <laughs> high school football. <laughs> quarterback you kidding me coach yeah yeah i like when that happened and uh they said that that's a penalty that's a penalty and the ref says are you kidding me on the quarterback (laughs) yeah yeah so then they they go back and now it's like back to the real world and things start like the tensions come back because they're no longer in gettysburg just in this little bubble with each other and they're like back in the real world things start to fray um, I think that one of the biggest turning points in this movie, because up, up to this point, there's been like this struggle between coach Yost and Boone. It's almost like Boone's trying not to lose his job. Cause he can't like lose a game or else he's going to get fired. And it's almost like Yost is a little bit wanting him to fail so he can just step on in. So even though it's like, Hey, I'm on your side. It's not really like he's on his side. Turning point happens, though, in this game where the refs are just calling all these shitty penalties. And, you know, those refs, by the way, were like real, the real refs, like real refs in in Virginia. Do I know? Yeah. Did you see that in your fun facts? Mm hmm. Yeah, that didn't really happen. Oh, for him to get into the Hall of Fame? There was no Hall of Fame in 1971. (laughs) (laughs) That came much later. Yost did ultimately get in the Hall of Fame, but that was all made up in the movie. So I think those refs, though, were really like real refs. I'm just saying. I think they were really refs, even though that that storyline was, again, made up for the movie. (laughs) Um, That... Yeah, so that's the whole strife, though, is like he's kind of fighting Coach Boone because this hall of fame is being held over his head. And then there's this unreal moment in the movie, not in real life where they're calling all these flags on him. It's like a bunch of bullshit flags. Mm -hmm. Coach Boone's yelling cheaters at him. He goes up to the ref and he's like, nah, dude, no more, no more of this bullshit. I know about it. Titus, Titus, I know what you're doing. I know about it. I don't (laughs) care. I'm good. I'm good. Not making the hall of fame. And then there's this fire motivational clip. Forget about him. Alan, you're in. Come on. All right. Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. The greatest I I'm get so I still get goosebumps when I see this particular scene. If I'm trying to get like jacked up for something, I put this on. <laughs> Works every time. It's a combination of the background music, his voice, like his growl, and it's just unreal. They remember the night they played the Titans. Yeah. And uh, then they show all these hits. 
that are like horse collars and head hits and uh, none of them would be <laughs> you couldn't get away with it today it was like a war movie when they were showing some of these hits and mm-hmm. yeah not not a lot of form tackling just a whole bunch of like just shoulders <laughs> out like shouldering people doing backflips after you shoulder them yeah but i the only the only little nit to pick i had on that scene was do we really think that he subbed out the entire team anytime the the opponent scored like gained one yard? No. Like anytime they passed the line of scrimmage, he subbed everyone out. No, that was that's for dramatic effect, I'm sure. It got it, it worked. It worked on me. Um Gary. It's tough. It's a man. No, I'm talking about his injury. Mm. Oh. The yeah. Gary injury. That was horrible. Um, that was brutal. That very whole, emotional. Yeah, that very like the 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 whole thing. Like they they're all excited because they're going to state. There's like a parade going on, and Gary's pointing to this douche fucking kid. This kid who's like distracting Gary as he's trying to drive, dude. It's like Gary. <laughs> It sucked. This kid totally blew Gary's whole life up. But <laughs> Gary drives away, gets just T-boned by this fucking truck, and then he gets paralyzed from the waist down. It's like, damn. God damn. And it was super emotional when Julius came to the, the hospital. He said, my brother. This is my brother. This Can't is my you brother. tell the resemblance? Can't you tell the resemblance? This is my brother. Yeah, that was brutal. Evidently, that really did happen, and not, but not just with Julius, with the whole team. He would keep saying that about his whole team. They were all my brothers and my all, all my family. So they, that kept happening all the time when he was in the hospital. And they did say at the end that didn't they? They got like a house, houses like in the same neighborhood. And they were like really close. Him and Julius were close. That's probably why, you know, you're talking about how they, they didn't even feature some of these main characters on the real team, like the running back or whatever. But that is a pretty cool story. Like with his injury and the, and he, he clearly was a leader. He was a good player on the team. And like, it was clear he was like a galvanizing force. Like everyone really seemed to like galvanize around him as a leader. Oh, yeah. And and the other thing that I find out, you know, at the beginning when he went on the uh, on the bus and had that confrontation with uh, Boone. Um, Jerry Lewis. And, yeah, you're Jerry and you're Dean Martin. You must be Dean. Um, and he said, I'm, on, I'm the only All-American you've got. I mean, this guy was a solid All-American. He was recruited by Ohio State, Notre Dame. Yeah. Big Ten schools, Alabama. I mean, this guy was a serious big-time athlete. So, yeah, he was definitely the team leader for sure. What did you say his uh, attributes were? Height, weight? Uh, he is uh, yeah. 6'1". Yeah, and in the day, you know, the, it was generally a bit shorter than people are now, but he was 6'1", 192 in ah, the program. That's still not that heavy. So yeah, 9, 192. Damn. And then, yeah, what were some of the other ones? Like the uh, the nose tackle, Blue. Uh, Blue was uh, 
5,962, <laughs> but, you know, they show him in the in the movie as being some yeah. heavyweight character, like with Louis Lastic, you know, so. Louis Lastic in real life under three, three bills, right? You said? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He was like 239. Yeah. But no. if you look at that guy, Ethan Supley, he's, uh, man, has that guy undergone some incredible body transformation yeah, yeah, you see him in the movie, and he's he looks like a kind of a big slob kind of guy. This dude has done like like Biggest Loser kind of stuff, and and ch- he has a chiseled body now. He he he's fluctuated a lot. He was that heavy. Then he, I remember in like My Name Is Earl, that TV show, he slimmed down. It was like he almost had that surgery. It seemed like mm. that that uh, what is that? Gastric, gastric bypass. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like he had that surgery or something because he got super skinny. But then, yeah, now he's jacked. He is like uh, like a bodybuilder. Yeah. It's so wild to see. Yeah. A lot of body transformation on that guy. Okay, let's go to this final, final game. Ed Henry Marshall. Mm-hmm. Ed Henry. Big issue for the Titans in this first half of this game. They don't know how to deal with a shotgun. Yeah. They struggle against the shotgun. What is this? The New York Jets, he says? (laughs) Spreading them out. Who do they think they are? The New York Jets? Spreading them out way too much. It's like this defense, which is amazing. So let's just act in real life. This did happen, but it was early. Like you said, the beginning, it's (laughs) earlier in the season. So, I guess this team was just like a run-stopping force, and 71 football was probably a lot more run-heavy. So if you had a team that can completely stop the run, you're going to be pretty successful in 1971. So Ed Henry was like, we're going to spread them out, shotgun, do this spread offense, which is essentially like everything nowadays. But, um, yeah, they really struggle with that. That halftime is where I think – after those first half struggles, though, it was like for the first time, it seemed like Yost was like, all right, I'm willing now to fully collaborate. I was not all in, but Ed Henry, I think he says, Ed Henry's kicking my ass. Mm-hmm. And the second half of this football game in the championship, they go full collaboration mode, full collaboration. I wrote down some of the changes they made. Um, three guys go both ways. They had Sunshine, the quarterback. He's also going. Not, I mean, it's a little weird with the QB, but I think in high school, if you have a, like a super crazy athlete, you'll go both ways. He went zone on defense, and he got Allen the fuck out of the game. <laughs> Put Petey back in. Mm-hmm. Allen, I'd say uh, Ryan Gosling as Allen as an athlete took one of the biggest L's in this movie overall. <laughs> Game goes back and forth. We finally get to the final play. Remember what it's called? 23 Blast. Fake 23 Blast. Fake 23 Blast with a Georgia reverse. Backside Georgia reverse clip. Coach, just slant to a strong side every time you got to catch him in that slant and let him over pursue. He's on to your game. You gotta throw something at him he's not ready for. Rev! Miss Rev. Yes, sir. All right, listen, you ready to run? Yes, sir. 
fake 23 blast with a backside George reverse. You got that? Fake 23 blast with a backside George reverse like your life depended upon it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go get him. The Titans take the field. Run like your life depended on it, Rev. <laughs> Ronnie Bass <laughs> making the most insane. Uh, the most insane. Can you imagine? Oh, the blocks. I know. Boom. 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 He's like LeBron James. Like, there are just guys that are just falling off of him. He is just shedding these dudes, like, shouldering them. Just blocks, like, four guys up the up the sideline, win the championship. Game over. Your Hall of Fame Mappa coach. And then that's it. That's the movie. Totally inspirational. Totally inspirational. Ends, again, like I said, on a little bit of a downer note because it ends at Gary's funeral, which was sad. We don't like seeing Gary go down like that. But overall, this movie is like one of the most inspirational movies of all time. Oh, there's no doubt. They use it in the corporate world. I don't know if you've you've uh, you've seen that. They they've uh, they use this movie as a. You've heard probably heard the phrase uh, forming, norming, storming, performing. It's phases of of uh, team development, and they they use the movie to to depict those different portions of that uh, of team development. So yeah, it's even used in the corporate world. This movie's on the short list of movies at sporting events in arenas that they'll play certain clips to like get you jacked up or like if there's a if it's coming down to the wire and some a team calls a timeout and they put a inspirational you know Pacers do this what the Pacers will do is they'll play like Hoosiers they'll play Gene Hackman's mm-hmm. speech in Hoosiers so I've seen Hoosiers remember the Titans and any given Sunday with Al Pacino's speech, oh, yeah. which is yeah. probably the most like badass speech I've ever heard in a movie. But so that, that it's this movie's on the short list of just most inspirational for everything: corporate world, sporting world. Literally, everyone can be inspired by this movie. It's amazing. All right, award time. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's kick it off with a little Ryan. A Philippi Practice Hero Award. Uh-oh. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? I am Philippi. He's so lame. So you found out tonight who Ryan Philippi is. Mm-hmm. You only knew him from that show Big Sky, which is current ABC show. Yep. You don't know him from any of his hot, critically acclaimed teen fare, such as Cruel Intentions, I Know What You Did Last Summer, MacGruber. Anyways, Ryan Philippi, this is the... Award for the guy or girl who in the film was doing way too much. We wish you do a lot less. Just like that guy in practice who's going way above and beyond like it's a championship game. That guy's a douche 
I have a couple nominees. I'll give my couple, then you toss in your couple. We'll hash out who we think the winner is. Mm-hmm. Number one on my list, Alan's dad. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Mr. Bosley. He was doing so much. This is what I think of when I think of Alan's dad. He's taking Alan out. Yo! Yo! It's okay. You're okay. You're okay. Yo! Don't you take out my son! He's getting beat like he stole something, Mr. Bosley. You just stay out of it, girl. He's just getting beat. That's all I'm doing. I This guy yelling from the stands. Then he goes in the office the next day. Five times. Five times. All, all conference player of the week. It's like... Dude, guy, your son sucks. He's getting beat on every single play. <laughs> Allen is like the slowest guy in the field at all times. So, Allen's dad, uh, he was one on my list. Who's who's one of your nominees? Well, you're not going to want to hear this, okay. I, I'm thinking. But I think one of the guys on my list is Allen. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because, I, I mean, the, he, he's... When when he's at Gettysburg playing all that uh, the music, you know he's uh, teamed up with uh, uh, Blue, who's got the Great Temptations music and all the other stuff, yeah. and he starts you know doing that bullshit with the country music and <laughs> and and then at the beginning of the of the movie when there's the the racial tension in the town, you know all the other guys are conditioning and stuff but he comes running up in his jeans and stuff he's not even in the conditioning no oh come on come on we gotta fight in town and then when the fight breaks out at uh in the dorm between uh, julius and and uh gary bertier when they first got there when uh uh, julius put up that uh poster of uh yeah i think it's tommy campbell in the uh, 68 olympics with his fist up and they got in the fight What's Alan do? He just goes to the door. He runs out into the into the oh, hallway yeah. and says, fight! Yeah. I mean, the guy's lame. Yeah. And he's a shitty player. Okay. <laughs> so Alan and Alan's dad. <laughs> I also nominate um, look, Hayden Penetier, Coach Yost's daughter. She was aggressively doing a lot. I think any time the, uh, the precocious kid who's just like, this all-knowing kid who's like super aggressive and 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 just like got way too much spirit. It, it's just like it annoys me. So she's she's the next one on my list. I only have one more after that. Yeah, she's only nine years. I old. know. Give she, her a break. She, Whatever. This, she's she's nominated. She yeah, might not okay. win. Okay. All right. My last guy, and this guy I think is the guy I would want to give it to. It's the fucking guy, the fan, who gets Gary into that car wreck. The guy. <laughs> you! You, man! You! You, man! That guy who who essentially... He was holding some kind of horn thing, like some... Um... <laughs> that guy is like the sole reason that Gary Bertier is paralyzed <laughs> from his waist down. And I know that guy is completely made up and he doesn't exist in real life. <laughs> But in this movie, he is my biggest Ryan Phillippe practice hero. Fuck that guy. Do you agree or do you think it's one of the other nominees? No, I'd go ahead with that guy. Yeah, I mean, he did ruin Gary for life, so. 
This guy totally ruined Gary. <laughs> this guy ruined Gary. He's got no legs now because of this guy. Yeah, I could go with that. All right, second award, MCITW. It's the biggest word on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week. And this award goes to the guy or girl who is just the worst character in the entire movie, a la Marissa Cooper in the OC being the worst. And this is brought to you by our fine sponsors from Wicklowware. W-I-C-K-L-O-W-Ware. Be free and explore. Get all your out to get Wicklowware.com. Type in the promo code VL. Check out 10% off your order kits. That's $30 on the baseball tees, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts, $20 on the tanks. Get out of slide into our DMs on Instagram for all of our swag. My MCITW nominees include one assistant coach... Herb, whatever his name is. Herb Tyrell. Herb Tyrell. Coach Tyrell. He's one nominee, but my other nominee, which is who? Why do you nominate him? I'm nominating him because he's a fucking dick. (laughs) Because he's a massive dick. He's he's literally like he he's probably one of the most racist characters in the entire movie. Yes, and he quits midway through. He just leaves his coach high and dry. Because he doesn't like how not racist his coach is getting. Okay. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree. And I know this is your award and I'm just here for window dressing. Yeah. I get it. Correct. But I'm just going to add to what you said. When the guy quit, they met at the diner. Yeah. And they said, hey, you know, you may, maybe uh, Cheryl and my daughter want to get together. Maybe we want to get together later on he says no i'm sorry you know cheryl's over at the boons yeah uh playing with nikki and then the guy says oh is that the way it's gonna be <laughs> like, wait a minute <laughs> and next sentence is he's quitting yeah. he's leaving you go to hell i mean you can blame that on disney you can blame that on the writers but that's a bullshit way to, to quit he's quitting because his, his <laughs> daughter, daughter is over at the yeah. boons <laughs> yeah that guy sucks that's weak but i'm actually gonna give it to another guy who i think is actually way worse and has less layers than coach assistant coach herb and that is ray buds totally ray buds <laughs> ray. totally ray buds ray ray is we thought assistant coach Tyrell was racist. I think Ray. Oh, the worst. Ray is the most racist character I've like ever seen in a feature film ever, especially a Disney one. Fuck. Um, Ray is a, is a massive dick, and I, he's also just horrible at acting. I, a bad actor, like that guy, whoever played him, Burgess Jenkins. He's terrible. Like. Every he he has no emotional range, like in his facial expressions and anything. He's he's so one dimensional, and and it sucks. So I never they never gave him any layers from a writing perspective, but he also didn't help himself out from an acting perspective. He sucked all the way around. The character is is the worst, and also the actor is the worst. So for me, he is the MCITW winner of this pod. No, there's no question. There's okay. no question. It's Ray Buds. And then, I mean, you got to look at this guy. And I got a little thing I'm going to add about Ray. But yeah. You know, if you look at this guy when they're having scenes, you know, and, and left side, strong side, yeah. that kind of thing. And they show Ray's face. I mean, he doesn't get jacked up no. at all. I mean, it's it's bullshit. 
it, but as opposed to Coach Tyrell, at least when he was with the team, he would be encouraging them and coaching and get a little jacked up. He was a dick the way he uh, he was racist and and the way he uh, <laughs> he quit was really bad. But I'm I'm gonna say something else about Ray Buds. I think he was trying to do Emma Hoyt. Oh yeah, Kate Bosworth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because they were in the car. Yeah, you know, he and another guy in the front seat, and it's her and another chick in the back. Hey, Gary, why don't you come with us? And he <laughs> says, "Nah, passe. I'm I'm here in the uh, I'm might sashay over to this restaurant. Remember yeah. they were yeah, walking yeah, yeah, the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say Ray was trying to you yeah know, have his way with Emma Hoyt. I I wouldn't be shocked. The, the Ray that I know from this movie uh, wouldn't surprise me at all that he's trying to move in on his best friend's girl. That would line up with exactly uh, his character qualities in all other walks of life. The best moment for me in this movie is when they're in Gettysburg and Ray tries to go up and sit next to Gary. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, this is the defense. And he's like, nah, nah, Ray, dude. This is the defensive table, Ray. <laughs> and Ray's just like, hey, could you slide a bit, Gary? Could you yeah. slide a bit, Gary? He says, that's no. the defensive table, Ray. Ray. This is the defensive table. <laughs> I think me and my friends still use that line today. Like, if we're ever eating somewhere and you want someone to move over, you, you pull up and go, hey, could you slide a bit, Gary? <laughs> this is from this movie. Anyway, so, Ray Butts, you suck. Yeah. So we will tell you, be free and explore. Brought to you by Wicklowware, MCITW winner. Nits to pick. I think we've already discussed a lot of nits in this movie that we would pick. I had a couple, though, that are outside. So let's keep our nits to pick outside of like what happened in real life versus the movie because we've beat that horse pretty aggressively tonight. Uh. Okay. We've done a lot of that. All right. My nits to pick are with the actual movie. So my first nit to pick is Sunshine can't make a two-yard pitch. This guy can throw a ball at least like 70 yards in the air accurately. He can put it on a rope like 10 yards away, 10 yard out, throw it on a rope over the linebacker underneath the safety. I mean, this guy, he goes to South Carolina, star QB, lefty. He's amazing at QB. He can't make a two-yard pitch. What? No, that's, that's pretty uh, that, crazy. That, an unathletic dunce could make a two-yard pitch. Like, that, that didn't even... That's where I feel like the director, you know, you're talking about he wasn't a big football guy. That's where I feel like that might come in a little bit where it's like if you're directing, you got to go, all right, give him some other issues. Like he 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 struggles uh, with his pocket awareness or like he doesn't move through the pocket very well or he checks down too much versus let I, I don't know. But there's other issues to give him other than he just can't make a two yard pitch. Like I've never seen anyone have an issue with that. So that's my that's one of my nits to pick. What what do you have? Well, I, it's a kind of a, a a huge blooper in the uh, in the movie, and uh, I think this goes to the fact that the guy that uh, directed it was not a football guy. Um, their first game when they uh, took out Allen and Petey came in, yeah, and he recovered a fumble. 
Yeah. He picked up the fumble and ran the same way as the runner was going. <laughs> he ran the wrong direction. I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah. You got to see it. It's a huge blooper in the, in the movie. It's bad. Petey, really you're going to score for their team. <laughs> and then Petey didn't catch shit for that. For but he scoring. caught shit for fumbling. I mean, give me a break. So Coach Boone not pissed when Petey scores for the other team, but he right. is pissed when he fumbles. That's right. Another one we've already discussed, and I know, again, this this isn't how it went in, the, in real life, but for me, if you're going to have in the movie the final play, two seconds left, <laughs> you're down. You're down a score. You need to get in the end zone. There's there's two seconds left, 75 yards to go. There's no chance. That would be a called run play. No chance. No chance. That's all I want to say. It would have been a pass. It would have been a pass for sure. Need to pick. Um, last one I have, and then if you have any others, I just this isn't really a nit. It's kind of just a question mark of like, look, it's clear Allen – Allen's slow as shit. Ryan Gosling, he's slow. He He's not athletic. We get it. We look at him. We look at his body type. It makes sense. Why not just make him the kicker? Make him the kicker. I mean, they did not highlight the kicker at all in this movie. Ryan Gosling has a kicker's body. This guy is built to kick footballs. I would have liked to see him. Like It would have been a hilarious plot point if like he got moved off a linebacker and they're just like, dude, kick the balls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of kicking, I think if you go and look at that movie, you're going to see that and this is truly a nit, and it's a blooper. But I think you're going to see that the Titans kicked off to uh, start the title game against... Uh, Ed Henry and Marshall. And Marshall, yeah. yeah. And they kicked off to start the second half. Oh. Uh, Another wouldn't happen. Another nits to pick. We've had a lot of nits to pick in this movie, but don't fret, kids. Those nits to pick are just because we love this movie so much. This movie's amazing. I think we did the same thing with Meet the Parents where we loved that movie so much and we watched it so many times that we found all the bloopers and all the picking nits because we loved it so much and watched it so much. Oh, yeah. You did Meet the Parents on this uh, podcast? No. Oh, because that would be one that I would be qualified come to back come in and talk about. There's n- there's no teens in that. It doesn't really fit this podcast, but we can stretch. We've stretched a lot in this pod. Okay. Teen movies. All right. All right. Last award, and then we're going to wrap it up. MVP. I'm hands off on this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you pilot this one. I've got some people in consideration, but if you've just got your winner... Go ahead. Is it unheard of to go to a co-MVP? You can do whatever you want. Okay. I'm going to go co-MVP. Okay. I'm going to I know that the first MVP is is logical that anyone and everyone would go to is Gary Bertier. That was my guy. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, he's a sympathetic hero. Yeah. He was he was paralyzed. He was killed off in the in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he was a captain. He's the all-American. He uh, he went through a lot of changes. There's no question that. But I say there's another MVP. There's another MVP is Coach Yost. Wow. Yeah. No and Coach why? Boone. 
No, not Coach Boone. I'm going to say <laughs> okay. Coach Yost because here's a guy that had to go through a, a total change. He had to get humbled because he wasn't picked yeah. for the coach. He had to be enlightened throughout the course of, of the year because, uh, because of the situation. He went through incredible adversity throughout the course of the year. And then at the end, after going through all of that, then he learned to collaborate with Herman Boone yeah. to create a great result. And he put yep. it, the team ahead of his own personal interests. He totally I, I did. I think it's a great story. He totally did because in the movie, so yeah, two things. One, in the movie, they did show like he had plans to just bounce where he's like, fuck this shit. They, they, they have this, they bring this new guy in and like into his system and his players and his school and they just make him like bounce and then it's like oh but we want you to be an assistant coach assistant coach it's like no so anyways first thing i was gonna say is don't worry he'll just slip up one time and then you're in i mean what what no it's ridiculous so first thing i'll say is he was swayed by the players it was at that little banquet that he had at the beginning of the year where he's like i'm gonna leave i'm gonna go coach another school after i take the year off and then they're like no, we're, we'll no play. We won't play for anyone else but you, coach. Mm. And then he stayed because of the player. So yeah, he's he definitely put them above himself. I agree with you. Second thing I'll say is I would not have done that. I mean, from a career yeah. move aspect, you're a head coach. You're making head coach salary. You get bumped down. Who knows what they did with the salary? I don't know if if they bumped him down to like assistant coach like only making 50% of that or whatever but it would mainly just be on the principle of it it would be such a slap in the face that i'd be like dude fuck this i've been here for years and you're going to bring this new guy in like that's not right i i can integrate the schools too mm-hmm. i can do it so yeah no i i i would have gone gary bertier but you picking Coach Yost, you have your reasons. Co-MVP. Co-MVP. Gary Bertier and Coach Yost. Anything else or in your 75 pages of notes, or does that do it? No, I got nothing. I, I think this is one of the greatest movies of all time, and uh, it was interesting doing a lot of the research. Uh, if you ever want to delve into it, you just go in and Google those 71 Titans. Man, there's a lot of stuff out there about yeah. these guys. Yeah. Kids, you're probably getting tired. You're probably getting sleepy. It's time to tuck on in, kids. You have really good night's sleep. And do you know what our sign-off is on this podcast, how we wrap it up? No. It's an homage to Friday Night Lights. So you tell those kids, clear eyes and full hearts. Say it. Clear eyes and full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured. <laughs>